we are rolling. I know you're tired. I know you're hurting. And I wish I could say something that was classy and inspirational. But that just wouldn't be our style. Pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory. Last forever. Hey, welcome to another episode of Dad Shorts, where we spend time just talking about our shorts mainly. Yeah. I love talking about my shorts. Yeah, me too. You Salute know what? your shorts. Salute your shorts. Indeed. Best type of shorts right now, go. Uh, cargo cargo khakis. Over like the uh, the mesh basketball shorts? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it depends on what I'm, okay. Just, you got one <laughs> pair of shorts, choose now. One pair of shorts, I'm going cargo khakis. They're so utilitarian. Would you sleep in a pair of cargo khakis? Yes, I would too. I would also go cargo khakis. <laughs> I have uh, I have some like soft cargo khakis. Yeah, they're know. broken in. Yeah, like holes are hundred percent. Mark uh, Christian is joining us today. Mark, uh, what about you? Favorite pair of shorts? Oh, they're gonna be. I'm old. They're gym shorts. They're the mesh kind, yes. and they have to have pockets. No, but back... are these like the the like short short gym? No, shorts? no, not okay. the, not the John Stockton shorts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want my thighs covered. There you go. Well, they are making a comeback. I uh, uh, yes. like the Utah Jazz. Every know? bad thing does. <laughs> oh my goodness! My son is rolling his now, like literal four rolls, and I'm just like, don't, oh, don't do that. Word. Don't one roll. I get, but four rolls. <laughs> you look like you've got a, a belt underneath your shirt. It's ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's you know. Batman, you should sew it with the four and like make a utility belt <laughs> make, there. Then make him wear it. Yes. Oh, that'd it's be got great. Like a hula hoop on. I, I made your shorts. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh. Well, like we said, Mark Christian is joining us today. Mark, uh, tell us a little about yourself. What is uh, what is your job? What are your kids? All that other good stuff. Well, I'm on staff at Christ Church of Orinoco, and I get to preach most every week. Um, I married to my wife Heather, 35 years this summer. We have uh, two boys, a 28 year old and an 18 year old. So we had two only children. Uh, it wasn't intentional. We didn't try to prevent children. We just prayed about it, and God gave us two 10 years apart, and it was pretty fantastic. That's nice. awesome. And you are, you're setting records today uh, as our first guest who has entered uh, grandparenthood. So uh, we'll lean into that a little bit. Good. Uh, spoiler Good. alert. So yeah. uh, we're excited to hear from you today. Other fact you listed about yourself is Hoosier. You yeah. want to embellish the the Hoosierness of yourself? Well, part of it is people at the church hear me talk about the church I was at in Michigan for 22 mm-hmm. years, and so they keep saying you're from Michigan. No, <laughs> I did I did missionary duty in Michigan. <laughs> Indeed, hey, amen. Only amen. the love of God would draw me to that state. <laughs> I'm an Indiana boy, yes. South Bend, Indiana. So uh, I I bleed Notre Dame, and this mm. year I'm bleeding a lot. A lot. Yeah. But it's uh yeah, one of my core values and is loyalty. And I will address that in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. Uh, what's our uh, What's our next? Oh yeah, hey, okay. So every guest that we have on the show, uh, we ask this question: What is your go to dad outfit? Yeah, it's a pair of gym shorts, and uh, it's either a Chicago Cubs shirt or a Notre Dame uh, T-shirt. I can't fathom when I see people wearing other people's other teams' hats and shirts because they like the look. Yeah. It's like, how do you mm-hmm. do that? That is no good. And so, uh, yeah, so my whole thing, and this drives my boys crazy because I love nothing more than to take one of my old Notre Dame or Cub t-shirts and cut the sleeves off. Yeah. It's just comfortable. I like sleeping in that kind of shirt, and they make fun of the fact that I have old man arms now and everything else. <laughs> so the fact that it annoys them gives me it's, great joy. That's perfect. How deep do you go with the cut? Like just the sleeve off, or do you do you slit down? No, the side? no, that, that's <laughs> okay. you. You got to be a high school football player to do that. 
<laughs> so yeah, I take it right right off fair. at the seam on the t-shirt. Just right off at the seam. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I come to the gym a lot, and these guys are they're going the deep cuts, oh. and I'm just like, it's too airy, it's too much. Like I I like you know the the sleeveless, I get it, but that deep cut is just like. Nah, no one needs to see yeah. more of my gut than you can see through There's the shirt. Too much rags <laughs> to, uh, to, do the, to pull off the deep cut. Maybe in high school. Yeah, side, uh, fa- side fat is embarrassing to all of us. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh. What's your best dad story, Mark? Uh, probably more of an experience over time. It took me a long time to, to realize this, but it, it brings me great joy. Uh, as a young dad, you want to be everything to your kids. But what I've noticed is that uh, my boys needed me in situations they didn't need their mom. So Mm. my favorite dad story is whenever my boys got hurt, got their feelings hurt or fell down and got injured or got scared, they would run around me to get to my wife. (laughs) I mean, I would be two feet from them and I wasn't what they wanted. They, They went to mom. But when they've had success and they've accomplished something they wondered if they could do, they run around her to get to me. Oh, and so one of my favorite dad stories is like on a ball field, they'll run right by their mom to jump up on me or give me a high five or ask how they did. And I just sense in that moment, Heather and I are very comfortable with this. They need me in this time. They don't need me in this other. And so that's been very satisfying as a dad. Yeah, and really I cool. win <laughs> because I get the victories and she gets the defeats. Now, did they learn this over time because of your lack of empathy? Because I feel like that's where my kids are. 100%. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah maybe. <laughs> Alex didn't, but Braden probably did. <laughs> so I 100% used to tell my kids if they came in with a scratch or something, literally just, ah, rub some dirt on it. You know, classic death. So I walked outside when my Alex, uh, she's 16 now, when she was about five. I walk outside, she's bleeding, like bleeding pretty bad from her knee, crying, and her knee is just bleeding. I'm like, what happened? Did you slid in the dirt? She goes, no, I slid on the concrete, but I started rubbing dirt on my knee. <laughs> I, like, I have to maybe stop saying that. <laughs> Might be time to retire that. That's, that's perfect. Yeah, I, I taught before I had kids. And learn very quickly the magical power of the brown paper towel. Oh, um, like yeah. a wet paper towel will solve pretty mm-hmm. much everything um, until it doesn't. So, like, that's, at school, it solves everything. it's missing half a finger. <laughs> it's ah, wet paper towel. Just put a wet paper towel on it. My <laughs> wife has a tendency to do it for them, and I like to let them learn. And you say paper towel. And one time I told my son, you better get that wet before you put that on there. And he just blew me off and put it on there, and then it stuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was like, well, just listen to me every now and then. <laughs> yeah. I do love you. <laughs> You are now a 10% paper towel. Yes. <laughs> and it's going to hurt worse taking that off than it was yeah, putting it, it on. Oh. oh, that's awesome. Uh, okay, so what is what what dad advice do you have for our listeners? That's trademarked, by the way. Yes. Dad advice. Dad advice. <laughs> uh, having listened to several of your interviews uh, previous to this, I'm going to be different, not to be different, but it's my experience. My parents were very permissive with us. Uh, I don't know many times in my life my parents told me I could not do something. My parents often told us, I wouldn't do this because of this. Mm-hmm. So they, so I think what I learned from my parents that I tried to implement with my boys is I am to guard them all the time. I am to guide them when they want me to, when they're open to it. So I think that's the, the dad advice I would pass on to my sons as they have children and is if you give unsolicited advice, it's going to be rejected out hand, but if you let them know you're there to protect them and guide them, you can say some pretty strong things. Yeah. Yeah. So I always say, I'm here to guard you, and you, and I'm available to you anytime you need. And I have friends who are like, no, man, I just speak right to my kids if I think they need to hear it. And I just parented differently, my mm-hmm. wife and I did, because we both grew up with parents who were very wise, but didn't put a lot of uh, limitations on us. Yeah. Yeah. But when my dad would say to me, I wouldn't do it for this reason, that 
resounded in me. He must have known me. Yeah. Because yeah, it's like, okay. See, mine, uh, mine growing up were very, like, we grew up in a different time, right? Where, I mean, obviously yeah. different, different generations, but like, uh, with my dad planting churches and my mom being the church secretary, like all of that kind of stuff. Uh, like we were on our own, like uh, a lot. And we had a lot of good conversations as parents. Uh, but like I was a moron. Um, and so like, it was, okay. Okay. <laughs> I am a moron currently, uh, recovering moron. Is that what it is? Uh, so, embrace it. I am a moron. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so, but what, that was one of my favorite things though. Looking back on it is I was allowed to make those mistakes I was also called to the carpet by my parents mm-hmm. who called me a moron. Betsy did not. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, Lynn, yes. Yes, I'm uh, sure he did. So, uh, but it was one of those things where like, okay, yeah, you did this thing. Don't you feel dumb? Um, and mm-hmm. like, I needed to hear that um, and I needed to take those lessons as an adult. Um, but those of you uh, listening out there, um, sometimes those lessons don't sink in until you're an adult. And both of my boys are very sensitive to tone mm-hmm. mm. where when I've seen coaches coach them hard, like trying to anger them to perform, I just sit in the stands and go, oh, <laughs> you don't know my sons. No. Mm-hmm. Because if you believe in both of my boys, they will outperform their abilities. Yeah. If you tear them down and you try to motivate them in anger, I get motivated by that. The coaches that made mm-hmm. me mad got the best out of me. Yep. My boys are wired more like their mom's temperament. So tone mattered a whole lot. So yeah. If I, I never could say to my kids, you did something dumb, I would say that's foolish. Yep. Yeah. Because that's a choice. Yep. But dumb it never is... motivated me to be better. <laughs> so let's clarify this. <laughs> oh, fair <laughs> enough. Until I was older. Maybe just learned the lessons a little faster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're not talking about sports things. We're just talking about general life stupidity. So there was that. Oh, Mark, uh, can you end us with what's your uh, best dad joke? Well, I hope it's appropriate. Edit it out if it's not. <laughs> I waited, and I've known this one my whole life, and I have waited for both of my boys. And I got eye rolls out of one and glee out of the other. <laughs> and that is, after a bath time, I would pick them up and look at them and act horrified, and then I would yell for their mom to come in the bathroom. And I'd say, run to Walmart right now and buy them a new butt. <laughs> And they would look at me in horror, like, what's going on? I said, your old one's got a crack in it. (laughs) One of them just rolled his eyes, and the other giggled for 20 minutes. And I thought, I can live with both answers. (laughs) That's fantastic. But I set that up. I've waited so long to do that, and it was joyous. That's awesome. What did Heather do each time? Rolled her eyes like she always does. She used to think I'm funny. Now she doesn't at all. Uh, well, listen, Mark, we want to talk a little bit about fantasy football. We've been talking in September about fantasy football and football in general. But before we do that, we, we do... We'd be remiss if we didn't kind of talk about some serious things first. And we've got a couple of serious questions we want to ask you. Uh, as a minister on staff, uh, I think you're going to bring an interesting perspective about what it's like to be a dad in the limelight. Um, we're both, you know, Scott and I are both minister's sons. Um, you know, we're both educators. Uh, Scott is a principal. Uh, we feel like we can all three kind of understand what it's like to have extra sets of eyes on you. And, and with that sometimes comes extra expectations. So kind of talk for a little bit. About what is it like? How do you balance being a dad? with that public perception that people kind of have preconceived notions about you? Yeah, uh, background is I learned two lessons from my parents. I don't think it was ever stated out loud, but it was inferred. And uh, recently, because of a situation with my parents' health and preparing them for uh, moving out of their home into an assisted living uh, place, my three brothers and I were together and we were talking. And one of the things, or the two things we learned from my parents that was just learned, ingrained in our home, was number one, don't draw attention to yourself. Mm. And the second thing was don't inconvenience people. 
And so if we were doing something like horsing around in an aisleway where people were walking, we would get yanked mm -hmm. by both my parents out of the way. Hey, pay attention to who's around you. So having said that, because I get a lot of attention as a face, the outward facing person at our church, I wanted to be really careful that my boys were allowed to be a part of that without having to assume anything that wasn't theirs. Mm. So the easiest way to put it is whenever I talk about my boys, I'm always the brunt of the joke. I will always, the, the story I'm telling shows my foibles, never theirs. And if there was a story that was personal to them or could put them in a compromised position, I would always say, do you care? Now, my oldest son would shrug and go, Dad, I don't care. I trust you. Mm -hmm. My youngest son will come to me with ideas. Hey, <laughs> something happened today. I'm like, okay, stop. All right. So two personalities in my kids. One of the things I wanted to protect both of them was their privacy. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted them to know how proud I am of them, that it's a joy to be their father, that I'm glad to be a dad, and their mother and I love them. So what we have to do is um, I don't want to have a persona. I think, you know, I hope you guys would agree. I am who I am right here mm -hmm. as I am on stage. Yeah. Yep. I have my same ridiculous, dark sense of humor <laughs> and everything. And because we didn't play a role in a world where celebrity pastors have become what people expect, mm -hmm. I want to just blow that out of the water. And so um, one of my professors said one time, people ought to be able to drive by your home, look through your front door and see you in your boxer shorts in the kitchen just like them, yeah. which is a graphic picture, yeah. but the whole point <laughs> yeah, maybe is- maybe close the blinds. Who, <laughs> yeah, who, who are we like at Throw home? Throw on that shirt, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, If I put on a voice, if I put on airs and acted like we had it all figured out, my boys would not believe me. And the mm -hmm. three most important people in the room when I preach are my two sons and my wife. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm not honest, I'm, I'm lying in front of the three most important people. So in that semi-public, you know, my boys know we don't put signs in our yard for candidates. We don't. You know, I don't take strong uh, editorial stands in culture unless the Bible's taken it because I represent you guys, not just me. I mean, I, so social media and everything, I, uh, I take a really uh, low stance in that stuff because I have to be careful that when I use my voice, it's what it needs to be used for and not just my opinions because nobody comes to church to hear my opinions on anything. Yeah. I think one of the things that you mentioned being authentic in who you are, I think that's so so important. And, and that was for me a big struggle. Like I remember being a pastor's kid and the expectations that I felt were placed, not just only on me, but also on my family that we had to be, you know, this, this step above. And so I felt heavy expectations whenever I fell short. And uh, I can think back in high school, one of the things uh, we we're talking about my daughter, she's got elected to student council. And she was like, you were in student council. I was like, yeah, I, I was in student council. And she's like, well, what was the best thing you did dad? And I said, well, my school, I went to a Christian high school and they said they used to do the fruit of the spirit awards. And I was like, it always went to these quiet, calm, reserved people, you know, oh, they're full of joy, but it's just because it's the same person. It was the same person always, you know, they were these quiet people. And I, and I pushed hard for uh, awards based on Bible characters. And I was like, you know why? I was like, because I want to be Peter, because that dude was unafraid to mess up, be blunt, be who he was, mess up, and then be fully corrected by God and, 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 and just receive his grace. And I pushed hard for that, and, and you know, they did make the change, and I did win, Peter, because I am, 100%. <laughs> I am all go, and I will fail, and then I will take the correction and the grace that comes with it. Um, but I, I do think it, it took me a long time to get to that point where I was okay with the fact that, you know, you might put extra um, expectations on me, but I'm okay failing in that as well. And your eyes might be on me or might be on my kids, but the truth is that I am a sinner saved in grace, and I'm going to accept the fact that I'm going to fail, and you hopefully can show me the same amount of grace that, that, that I'm shown by our Lord, because otherwise, 
you're going to be completely disappointed even continually. When we, even when we use the words, uh, my authentic self, back to Scott's comment, but if I'm an authentic fool, <laughs> displaying that isn't good. Right. So right, it's, yeah. it's yeah. actually living it out in the trying. And I, I think... Um, I wanted both of my boys to understand why we were doing what we were doing. They yeah. didn't, I mm-hmm. didn't care if they agreed. We had seldom did we argue, but I said, this is why our family doesn't do that. Yeah. And I found that even when they were five and six, that made sense to them. There, that trust was built. Yeah. So when mm-hmm. we said, well, we're not going to do that, or we don't want you to do that, um, then they had the option of saying, do we trust mom and dad's wisdom mm-hmm. or do we not? Yeah. And that's that's been that's been hard. And I think that you you nailed it on the head as far as, how I feel when I go into those types of situations because I try to be as consistent as possible. Um, but I also want people to understand why I, I do the things that I do because yeah. I think that yeah. underlying rationale for how you behave um, can sometimes supersede the actual action because we fail so much, because, mm-hmm. we, because we screw up so much. And having those conversations with my kids has been super st- like scary at times because it's I don't know that we started young enough um, mm-hmm. with like Bennett my my eighth grader um, we're having good conversations but it's you know we have like we're having weird conversations about dating now we're having weird conversations about going to like the roller rink like mm-hmm. all of these kinds of things yeah. and as a principal I kind of have a different perspective on mm-hmm. certain things that happen in certain places and all of that kind of stuff and. It's it's having those rationale, those why conversations, and understanding. Um, I think it was you, Zach. Um, did your dad say something about uh, like remember whose you are? Yeah, my yeah. father-in-law. His his favorite expression to tell all of his kids that they walked to the door was remember who you are and whose you are. Yeah, and, and I, like that kind of stuck with me when you said yeah. when you said that because that's that's the rationale. Like that's when we go out to places when we yeah. like I should be able to trust that my kids when they are at certain places. Not to act like you know what I see displayed, and that I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's a weird game of trust and conversations, but I think leaning into that um, why and that rationale of uh, who you are as a family and whose you are um, is big for us. Yeah, Mark, uh, we are we're jealous of you because as parents <laughs> in the middle of parenting our kids, uh, we are we are longing for the time when we get to be grandpa. So, can you speak to a little bit no. about? Um, what has been the biggest change in transitioning from fatherhood to grandpahood? What's the biggest joy, biggest change, biggest, you know, uh, what, what can we look forward to? What can we uh, maybe look with a little bit of worry towards? Your, um, your model of parenting is affirmed or, uh, <laughs> or not. <laughs> and so one of the joys of, of being a grandpa to this one-year-old little girl is watching my daughter-in-law and son parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew Alex would be a good dad. The affection, the love that he's showing, I've never seen him show that to anything mm-hmm. to this extent. He is awesome. captured by her. And uh, I'm jealous of him because he's got this little girl. When she has a smile for her daddy, she doesn't have for anybody else in the world. Mm-hmm. And when he walks in a room, those two connect with each other. I never had a daughter. I didn't have a sister. I've never witnessed that. I, yeah. I love it. I'm only jealous because I'm a broken man. But when I see what he has with his daughter, it's fantastic. And so watching them parent, watching them love her and serve her, uh, it's also drawn Alex and I a step closer to each other because he'll ask me questions. Is this normal? And and most of our questions, to be honest with you, is his dealing with uh, his wife 
after the birth yeah. and her mm. protective nature and that mothering instinct, the cough, what does the cough mean? And he's saying, is this no yes, it's normal. And we just walk through it. And that's been beautiful. Plus she recognizes me and I know I, I'm shooting for a top five position. <laughs> I won't get the top two, yeah. but I got to beat the other grandpa out. <laughs> so, so the two grandmas are three and four, depending on the day. So it's between Dan and I to be number five, and I'm, I'm after it. That's great. Well, Dan is obviously a listener of this podcast, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've thrown oh, the gauntlet down. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, that's oh. great. Mark, you are, are like the three of us. We are all uh, hostiles uh, in this area. We're all fans of teams that are not popular in this area. Uh, before we transition into kind of talking about some, some football, uh, can you talk about what is, uh, what is it like kind of sharing your love of a team that is not popular in this area, and how have you kind of navigated those waters? It goes back to loyalty for me. Mm -hmm. um, I have all the respect in the world for someone who is, has been a fan their entire life. Yeah. If someone walks up to me and says, I've been a Cardinal fan my whole life, I actually tip my cap to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the front runners. It's the people who jump on. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a local high school, I'll, I'll leave it nameless since <laughs> friends of mine would listen to this, who are the most arrogant fans in the entire world and didn't ever put a jockstrap on and make a tackle or get a base hit or sink a basket. And mm -hmm. they just find their identity in it. I care too much about the Chicago Cubs and Notre Dame fighting Irish. I do. I know it's a broken part of my nature. I have a loyalty to them. I don't think it's idolatry yet, but I, you know, when the Cubs are close to being good and they're not good, it can wreck my day. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with me? So I like to actually talk in those terms with people. Like our loyalty and affection are given away easily. We have to protect our hearts from that. Mm -hmm. So when I see people going crazy about a high school football game, listen, I love the passion. My son's playing right now. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, when he comes home on a Friday night and he's forgotten a loss or a win quicker than I have, I got to grow up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but living in hostile land, I like to have fun with it. There are certain people I won't engage in conversations with because they are maniacal. It's almost a litmus test of your value. <laughs> but as you know, on a, on a Sunday, I love to prod St. Louis Cardinal fans. Mm -hmm. And I lived in Michigan. You know, I would go after Wolverines every time they lost. <laughs> Please, appreciate it. But people, people enjoy, most people seem to enjoy, as long as it doesn't become personal. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, but I have a passion I have to really tap down. And at our church, there's no one, it's four or five high schools attend there. Yeah. So I think it's kind of foolish to promote where my son plays because that doesn't matter to anybody else. Yeah. And a lot of people are coming. I often think, too, of the person that comes in on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night who's being trashed at work or their relationship's a mess. Yeah. And they come and they don't care about Friday night's football game. Mm -hmm. I still do. <laughs> right. But, <they> don't. <laughs> yep. but I like to poke and prod. I had three brothers, so yeah. taking a shot at somebody when they think their team's all that is kind of joyous. Yeah. I'm not sure it's a fruit of the spirit, though. <laughs> so, so I have... Uh, similar, but I have a really hard time at, like, poking at somebody, like, every time... And I, I am disproportionately, like, I am not okay when the Bears are not okay. So, like, <laughs> Chicago, like, I, I'm a Cubs fan, and, yeah. like, lifelong Cubs, lifelong Bulls, um, and, but football is my, is my passion. So, like, when the Bears win, I'm really, like, if they, even if they beat the Packers, I will not gloat, I will not, because I know that that win is extremely temporary. So, like, yeah. next week we're going to get blown out of the water, and the same person that I trash-talked is going to give me yeah. grief. And that's like in talking about hostile environment, everybody knows that like I am huge, yeah. a huge Bears fan, mm -hmm. and they will give me an abnormally large amount of garbage like yeah. <laughs> every time that I, they are not good. I totally relate. And I, I'll be honest with you, and this may not make sense to some people, so please don't judge me. 
I can get a temper during the Notre Dame Marshall game on Saturday. I had two former students who I'd never hear from. <laughs> Yeah. texting me at the end of the game going, are you all right? Are you suicidal? And I didn't <laughs> respond to either one of them. I was furious. Yeah. It, God would not have come out of me in that moment. <laughs> and I look at myself going, what is wrong with you, Mark? But I'm passionate like you are about that because I don't give it out. I don't bust people's chops. Yeah. I may have a smirk, but I don't say a word. No, not And at then all. when they give it back, it's like, uh. plus I also think someone who likes a team that's not awesome and doesn't win a whole lot, I actually think more of that person. Yeah. Because loyalty is a virtue. <laughs> As a Reds fan, thank you. But I did ask your wife when uh, Votto went down. I said, is he okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, just the season was already gone. And then Votto. Yep. I think I'm watching. I literally, I'll turn on the Reds game, and I'll watch when they've got these two rookie pitchers. I want to watch them pitch. And then I'll watch when they have these two guys who are going to be with the team for like three years, India and Steer. Other than that, I'm just kind of like, ah, I can watch you know something else for the next seven batters because... I don't care. Just... Every, I had to stop. Like Laura told me to like stop um, during some of our some of our seasons, some of the football seasons. Like we'd had an NFL Sunday ticket, and like I had mm-hmm. to stop watching on Sunday because I was yeah. not exuding Christ, <laughs> as you would say. Um, and, and like it was, yeah. Oh man! And when we had the double doink and the like, oh. Bennett was with me, and I was very aware that I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I need to show good character to my child right now, and I am furious. Yeah. Like, oh, it was oh, so bad. Yeah, I've, I've left the living room during certain games uh, a couple years ago, University of Miami versus Notre Dame, and then mm-hmm. Michigan against Notre Dame in a rainstorm, and Notre Dame was horrible. And I left the room, and my family's like, stay here. We want you to, to watch this with you. I'm going... For my soul, I'm oh, yeah. done. Oh, yes. I got to preach tomorrow morning. I'm going to bed. <laughs> oh, dude, the, this is the last one, and then we got to move into our yeah, fancy draft. But, over. like, my my worst, like, the worst, and I will consistently go back to it, is when we played the Super Bowl against the Colts. And I was, we, like, made the mistake of watching with family and friends. And, uh, like, my wife wore a Peyton Manning shirt under her Bears jersey, and I was, like, not okay. <laughs> Um, and then I was the only Bears fan in the room. So as soon as the tide started to turn, like I'm over there pouting like a like a five year old child. And Laura's like, "What? Would you grow up? No, no, no I will not grow up. I'm going to sit here and pout while everybody rubs it in my face." And it's oh, it was not okay. Mm-hmm. It was not okay. It's a bad day. Oh well, listen, uh, Mark. We we wanted you to talk a little bit. You've got. Uh, we know you were you were a fan for a long time. Uh, you shared with us before you came on. You, you originally thought you wanted to be a sports writer. Uh, so yeah. we know you've loved sports for a long time. Uh, we want to talk about some fantasy football, but first we just want to get your opinion because uh, we are nothing if not two opinionated guys. <laughs> I've uh, heard this. <laughs> we want to know Chick Fil A's uh, garbage, huh? Is, <laughs> Is that, yeah, and then you preach that grounds for excommunication. I just uh, speaking you know, theologically, can you excommunicate somebody for their Chick Fil A take? Uh, no, no. <laughs> if he just said KFC's garbage, then we'd have gone to war. <laughs> Wouldn't dream of it. Uh, old best, school, best fries. It, old school their fries chicken are great. Yeah, they are sneaky, oh, underrated sneaky fast food. Yeah, KFC. Like well, it. that's because if it's not managed well, like it can be a, it can be a. I think deep down inside, every man loves KFC. They're afraid to tell their wife. That's. <laughs> My wife likes it more than I do. That is a I like KFC, but she, my wife loves it. It's on her top we, five list. We eat do. it when my wife travels for business. Brayden and I, my youngest, will guaranteed when she's out of town, it's us. We're like, KFC, KFC. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. So here's my question. Will you run through, run through for us? Uh, greatest. Uh, like, who's the greatest quarterback in your opinion? Uh, Joe Montana, uh, 4-0. 
My son wants to argue with me that Tom Brady's the GOAT. Tom Brady's lost as many Super Bowls as Joe Montana won. Mm -hmm. uh, he was surrounded by great teams. Both of them were. But Montana played in a different era where you could rape and pillage the wide receivers and you could take him to the ground with the helmet in his face. Yeah. And uh, nothing against disparaging Tom Brady except where he went to school. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I think the greatest of all time, if you, if you don't look at Bradshaw and Montana in that top realm, because uh, they did it over a number of years. Well, so did Brady, but yeah. that's my opinion. With a couple of different teams and yeah. all that, yeah. What about the uh, greatest running back? Well, all around, it's got to be Walter Payton. Mm. My dad will tell me the greatest running back of all time was Jim Brown. Mm. So just pure, like, nobody could handle that guy. But the best all around. In fact, I love it. I, I put it there in the notes. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Walter Payton has more career touchdowns than Johnny Menzel that's in awesome. passing. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. That's crazy. Yes. <laughs> So having said that, he did everything. He blocked, yeah. he ran, he passed, he caught. He was the full thing. Mm -hmm. Barry Sanders was amazing. Emmett Smith was a great running back, but he wasn't the screen game, nothing. I think mm -hmm. all around, and it's not my Bears loyalty. I just think sweetness is the best yeah. ever. Yeah. What yeah, about so. greatest wide receiver? Greatest wide receiver. Most people say Jerry Rice because of the numbers he stacked. I think Randy Moss, mm -hmm. without yeah. question, was the best wide receiver to ever play the game. He just ridiculous. And if you go to NFL films and all that, they'll tell you that Rice was awesome and he was talented and he knew his scheme and he ran perfect routes. They'd throw the ball up to, to Randy Moss with three receivers and he mm. came down and scored. He just was a beast. Now, he was kind of an idiot his first four years in Minnesota. <laughs> what? But he was, in my lifetime, I'll tell my kids, best I ever saw in college, best I ever saw in the pros. Yeah. And finally, uh, best tight end. This goes back when I was in high school. Kellen Winslow owned the NFL. He yeah, was the yeah. first yeah, yeah, yeah. prototypical big athletic. I don't know if he ever blocked anybody. No. But I do know he blocked two kicks in a playoff game. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. Yeah, so, he definitely changed uh, the yeah. position. I sure. want to say Ditka, but that was back in the day where a, a tight end caught three passes yeah, a game. Yep. But Winslow changed the game with the Chargers in the 80s. Yep. And Gronk is good. And, oh, help me, who's the other Charger uh, recently? Basketball? Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates. Yep. Mm -hmm. They're all just what Kellen Winslow was the first to become. So yeah. he, my fondness for him, I'm kind of biased. Yeah, cool. So did we like? Is, did we just tip his hand on the fantasy draft? I don't think so, because I was looking at some of his, and he's got quite the uh, quite the variance on some of these. So okay. I'm super excited. So here's what we want to do. We're going to end with, uh, we want to draft just, just a real quick four-player four fantasy team. Uh, but we can't do anything normal. We're going to do greatest <laughs> all time, but uh, you don't know the year. Okay. So, you know, you could choose, you know, Joe Montana, but you don't know which year of Joe Montana you're going to get. Uh, so we're going to have, uh, we'll, we'll do snake draft, um, okay. and then we'll we'll let you choose, you know, any four of the positions you want in any order, anything like that. But the ones that person's chosen, they're gone. So, you know, I can't choose Jim Brown, you know, 1964, and then you get 67 or whatever it is. So uh, once that person's gone, they're off the list, but uh, we're going to do a real quick snake draft to see greatest, just four positions. So, okay. uh, Mark, do you want first pick, second pick, third pick? Second. Okay, second. You, took you my spot. don't have. <laughs> hey, there yeah. you go. All right, which one? Uh, ready? Paper, rock, scissors. Yeah. Yeah. One, two, three, shoot. One, two, three, shoot. All right. Okay. You want uh, first or second or third? I'm gonna take third. All right. So I got first. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm taking Ladanian Tomlinson with my first overall pick. Okay. How many years did he play? Uh, let's see. Uh, Eleven. Eleven. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in year zero. No, year ten. Year ten. Year ten. Yeah. Ah, one, two, three. Dang it. <laughs> I got him with the Jets. 
219 yards. Ooh. I'm sorry, sorry. 914 yards and six TDs. That's great. That's great. Oh. That's a way to start off strong. Oh. All right, there, Mark. What do, what do you got for oh. your pick? Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk. All right. Okay. How many years did Marshall Falk play? 10, 12 years. I forgot right. he played five years in Indianapolis. Like he I knew he played in Indianapolis, though. but I forgot that many. <laughs> You're one. You're number one rookie year. Yeah. Uh, Twelve hundred yards, eleven TDs. Yeah. Oh wow. Rushing okay, five hundred yards, receiving and one TD passing. He was okay. a rookie of the year. Yeah. That's, what year was that? That was uh, ninety-four. That's actually really good. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, for mine, no. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go with tight end, and I'm gonna go with Travis Kelsey. 10, 10, 10 years. Ten. Wow. Counting this one, so I guess nine years. Despite of being coached by Brian Kelly. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Okay. So nine years? Nine years. I'll go with 10. Okay. Okay. Well, he did not play his first year, so if you get year one. Six. Year six. Six. One, two. I feel like that's a strong one. I feel like that's solid. 1,300 yards, oh, 10 shit. TDs. Wow. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, Money shot right there. Uh, that was uh, 2018. 18. Mine's like first year. Uh, yep. All right. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it, Thompson. That's such a good career. Oh, but did he? Um, all right. Now I'm going to go with wide receiver. And this one's going to be... Oh, this one's tough. But I think I'm going to go with Steve Largent. Okay. From uh, Seattle. Wow. Dusting that one off. Yeah. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm hoping. I'm hopeful here. Been Dave Craig or Jim Zorn as his quarterback. <laughs> All right, Steve Largent, fourteen years. Fourteen years. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Mushin Muhammad. I'm looking. I'm looking at his. I. Uh, I think you might regret this one. Oh. There's only. There's only three real solid years. Okay. Well, I'm gonna get one of those. <laughs> if you do, it. just like he did the last six. One. Six. One, two, three. Eighty-one. 1,200 yards. Oh, my yes. God. This guy's striking oil every shot. Uh, the year before, what year was it? Uh, it was 81. 81. Uh, the year before, he had 1,000 yards and 6 TDs. The year after, 490 and 3 TDs. <laughs> yes, I will take that one. All right. Uh, Mark, what's your next pick? Randy Moss. Dang it. This is the worst draft ever. It is not worse than your last draft. Okay, Randy Moss had... 10, 12, 14, 16 years. Dang. Wow. I forgot a couple of those there at the end. Tennessee? 16? 14. 14? 14. So there's, that might have been his uh, Patriots been, year. Would that have been 07? Uh, it's 10. It is between New England and Minnesota. And he had about 300 yards and five TDs. Yuck. Oh, yeah, oh, 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 I got the crippled Randy Moss. <laughs> what year was that? Uh, it was 2010. Okay, I'm feeling real good about my draft. <laughs> Luckiest jerk ever. <laughs> uh, okay, um, uh, I'm gonna go Aaron Aaron Rodgers. Ugh. He's had some really solid years. I'd rather do without a quarterback. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Okay, uh, he has had. Not counting this one. Seventeen. Okay. You're six. six. Okay. Was he still? Was he still bagging out Favre there? 
I bet he was. I no. bet he was. <laughs> I mean, there, were, there were quite a few. 39. Uh, it's, it's right before he had a really big streak. 3,900 yards, 28 TDs. The year that's, after, well, that's not terrible. 4,600 yards, 45 TDs. Oh. The year after, 4,239 <laughs> TDs. The year after, 4,338 TDs. It was right there. Uh. At the street, right as he started. <laughs> What year was it? Uh, it was uh, 2010. Okay. Oh man, you got a lot. You got a. This is like your 2010 draft. Oh uh, yeah, right. Yeah, I guess Great. it's my turn again. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Gates. Okay. Um, Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates. 16, 16 years. 16 years. I, I, yeah. There's a couple there I didn't realize he was. Okay. Dang it, 12. Is it? Is it? Uh, no, fourteen. Oh, it's twelve. Is it twelve? Okay, whatever. It rolled over to fourteen, but twelve works. Let's go with twelve. You rolled a twelve. One, it's fine. Two, it's fine. Three, four, five, six. <laughs> Come back, eight, Zach. Don't nine, leave. 10, 11, 12. Doesn't matter. Eight hundred and twenty-one yards. Twelve TDs. Hey, that's his a, highest that's TD total huge. after his second year. What was that? Uh, what was, what was... It was two thousand fourteen. I needed I needed something. Twelve TDs is something at least. That is something. I'll take it after Ladanian Tomlinson's one year with the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. All right, Mark, what do you got on yours? Well, I'm gonna take Mahomes. Okay. Yeah. I think that's solid. Four years, I got three out of four good possibilities here. Yep. All right. Okay, you got a one. One, his first year. <laughs> oh, oh no! You got Ladanian Tomlinson. <laughs> Oh gosh! Um, we got the Alex Smith year, so <laughs> that's rough. That's rough. I tried. I tried to have your you roll. Did. <laughs> okay, let's see. Year one, two hundred eighty-four yards, no TDs, one interception. Yes, oh. that's how you build a franchise, guys. <laughs> Wait, year two, two thousand eighteen. Yep, five thousand yards, fifty TDs. <laughs> oh gosh! Dang it. He's so he's so good. Like he's, he's so, so good. good. It makes me real worried uh, when uh, Byron Pringle says. Who did the that, Bears uh, choose over Mahomes? Trubisky. Uh, Trubisky. Trubisky. We traded up. Yeah, we traded yeah. up one spot that nobody wanted to get Trubisky. Yeah. The, the I'm, not, I'm not bitter. Ross. It's not fine. It's, it's, fine. it's fine. I'm not bitter. Uh, your last <laughs> oh, two to end us up. My last two. Yeah, you got to do your I've right, got running back and wide receiver. Okay, running back and wide receiver. Running back. I'm gonna go with. I gotta go with Walter Payton. I wasn't going to, but like my heart says that I should do that. So I'm going to draft with my heart, the same way that I cook. <laughs> with your heart. <laughs> Tablespoon, teaspoon, doesn't matter. I'm cooking with my heart. 13? 13 years, yeah. Big money, big money, big money. 10. Okay. 84, 85. Being right in there. 84. 84. 1611 TDs. 360 receiving yards. No mm. no receiving TDs. Okay. Uh, that would be that's his, terrible. solid. Yeah, that's yeah. That's pretty solid. That's the pretty year solid. before, 1400 but only six TV, TDs. The year after, 1500 and only nine TDs. Okay, so I'm <laughs> doing this. I, 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 I like it. I like it. Okay, and then I need a quarterback. So I'm gonna go with oh. Let's go with Peyton Manning. Yeah, that's that was the one I was debating between. Yep. Uh, I got four. I hate you. Let's see. <laughs> one, two, three, four. 2001, 
4,100 <laughs> yards, 26 TDs. Oh, but 23 interceptions. Okay, I'll take it. All I right. think that's a solid draft. Mark, uh, finish up your, what's your last pick. I need a tight end. Give me Gronkowski. Okay. You got 11. 11 years to choose from. Big money, big money. Seven. Oh, seven I think that's going to be solid. Good. I think that's solid. You're seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 2006. Oh, 2016 Patriots. He only played eight games. It was his oh back. Oh, my God. 540 yards, three TDs. Oh. <laughs> Is your last pick? Yeah, my last one. Make it good. Um, I'm, I'm going. Make it consistent. I'm going to go Calvin Johnson. We have your eight. eight. One, two, three, four. Oh. Yeah, that's kind of. Uh, Thousand yards, eight TDs. That's not great. The year before was fourteen hundred yards, twelve TDs. Oh, the year great. after, twelve hundred yards, nine TDs. Oh, that's rough. This happens every pick. Uh, I think that I have cleaned up another draft. Yeah. So uh, I want to put it to a vote. I, I feel I, I feel pretty pretty good about this. Mark, thanks for joining us. Uh, all of you listeners, thanks for joining us as well. We really appreciate you. Uh, like us where you find your social medias. We're on uh, Facebook. We're on. Uh, hopefully soon, we're going to get some TikToks. We've got some ideas. We're going to yep. put those out there. You can all email us at uh, dadshortspodcast at gmail.com. On Facebook, we are Dad Shorts Podcast at Facebook. Uh, like, subscribe, rate, wherever you listen. We appreciate you. Thanks. Later. Although I did feel good about the uh, Fantasy Draft Day um, buffet. Uh, I won that hands down. Yeah, you did. Uh, I won that with 60% of the vote. I don't, Barbecue. steak and potatoes didn't work, win? Like, I think if you're drafting, I don't want steak and potatoes that day. No, like, that's accurate. I mean, I want something where I'm thinking level-headed and clear. I, I don't want to be bogged down on a food coma. Yeah, red meat makes me think clear. Like I, That much red meat? Yes. Fried chicken and steak <laughs> and rolls and potatoes? Okay, that's a, that's like that's a heavy meal. That's <laughs> like my dad's ultimate Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Forget the turkey. Just fry that chicken up with some steak. Just, just wrap that fried chicken <laughs> in a steak and like... Turducken <laughs> with steak inside. Tursteakin. Stuff it. <laughs>